Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications Connect to more. Man, I knew I should have worn black today. All right, maybe I am wearing black. I don't even know. I'm colorblind. Nuanas now. 1029 ESPN Missoula, your one stop shop for all things sports, music, pop culture, and a whole lot of fun every single weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. right here. 1029 ESPN Missoula statewide, SWX Montana Television. You can also listen to us on the live stream or on the YouTube channel. Let's go to YouTube. You can uh, subscribe to the channel there. It's either Two Tall Nuanas or Nuanas now. The old name still exists. We're still getting all that stuff ironed out as we are here into a new year in 2021. But if you want to listen live, you can go online, 1029ESPN.com. Click on the Listen Live tab. There you find the stream. The stream is presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity if you want to give us a call, you can, 361-3688, 361-3688. But it might be kind of tough to get in today, not because the phones aren't working. They're working, I promise. And we have some good giveaways for you today as well. So keep that number in the forefront of your mind. But we just have a jam-packed show. That, that's just what's going on here today. If you didn't already hear, well, I don't know how you couldn't have. It's one of the biggest pieces of news uh, in the state of Montana so far. Um, this year for sure, and, and uh, definitely... Um, just overall when it comes to the landscape of football, Montana, Montana State, they did decide to not play the spring season. But that comes with some caveats. Bobcats and the Grizzlies for football, they are going to play some games. They left it open with a little bit of wiggle room. Uh, they, they, they're calling it a modified spring schedule, but they're opting out of the six games and eight-week schedule that the Big Sky Conference had proposed, which means then they are ineligible for the Big Sky Conference championship that could happen in the spring and this is all speculative because we don't know who's going to continue to be uh, in the league, in the uh, playing on the gridiron in the in the spring. It could all the whole league might opt out by the time this is all said and done. Right now, the docket has it at Sac State, Montana, Montana State, and Portland State. We'll see what Eastern Washington does. I don't know about the California schools. I mean, NAU, Northern Arizona is just. Uh, I mean, Northern Arizona, not just the school, but the region. Is just a wash with COVID protocols and COVID issues right now as well. But that's here nor there. Montana and Montana State, though, they will play a couple football games this fall. Well, who are they going to play? I've heard a lot of people speculate, is it going to be the Cats and the Grizz? Well, we talked to Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam, Montana State Athletic Director Leon Costello, Montana State Head Coach Jeff Choate, and Montana Head Coach Bobby Houck earlier today, and we have feedback from all of them on all of that, but one thing that was said by both Kent Haslam and Leon Costello is that very unlikely that these two schools will play each other or play any other teams from the Big Sky Conference. If they do play a couple contests, it will likely be non-conference, and as Kent Haslam said, probably non-Division One opponents. We got a lot of sound. 
So we got to get to it. We're going to go with Kent Haslam first, University of Montana Athletic Director. Here's what his thoughts on Montana removing itself from the full spring season, but also keeping uh, some ability to have a couple spring games on the docket here in the next couple months. Well, I'll let uh, Coach Houck talk about the football side of it, but certainly I think it it does bring some closure for us to understand exactly what spring was like. This has changed so dramatically uh, every week, every day. Um, I'll be the first to admit uh, in late summer as we saw fall kind of falling apart um i was always the real hopeful one on spring i was probably looking at it more from an athletic director's perspective as opposed to a student athlete that has to do fall camp in the middle of january and so as we moved a little closer towards uh through thanksgiving and reality kind of starts to set in on how we're going to manage all this and and what it's going to do for the return to fall of 2021 i think that's when those discussions started to happen. So good to have some closure. Um, we will miss uh, football. There's no doubt about it, but it is good to, to, to know what we're doing now in the spring. Kent, this was a joint decision with Montana State. What were some of those conversations like between you and MSU Athletic Director Leon Costello? Well, um, I've spent more time with Leon Costello uh, at times than I have with my wife, it seems like over these last several months. I see him a lot, but I think we started, we really started to discuss this post Thanksgiving and um, it was really, it always been kind of under the surface. And I think the coaches had talked about it and we talked about it internally. And then finally it was just a matter of us uh, coming together and saying, Hey, this is how we feel. And, and, and Montana state, I don't want to speak for them. I know they'll, they'll talk about it later, but um, they felt the same way. So Really, we, we had conversations with uh, Commissioner Christian, with both presidents, uh, President Cruzado and President Bodner, talking through what it would look like and then felt like it was important for the two presidents then to go to Commissioner Wistersill, which they did um, soon after the new year, just to, just to share concerns about trying to prepare a football team to compete in Division One football on February 27th with the preparation time that it would take and starting that early. What about going a little later, that type of thing. Um, and it just, it really it came to the conclusion then that it was best to just go for a, a modified spring, not try to compete for the championship, not try and play into the FCS playoffs. And then that was communicated um, by the presidents to the other presidents um, Wednesday. And uh, and then we made our announcement today. Yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned all those the, the challenges and things like that. Um, how much did you know just the the pandemic really us not really getting to a place where we thought we might be in the spring? And and let's say like if we were able to have full fans right now, would that maybe change the scales as far as overcoming some of the challenges as, as far as getting ready to to go for a season if we were able to have full full stands? Well, certainly we're, we're ready. We're ready from the pandemic side to be able to compete. We have our testing protocols in place. We can test, we can meet all those thresholds. So we were ready to go. Um, but even if COVID-19 wasn't here, trying to play football on February 27th doesn't, that doesn't, COVID doesn't change the weather or change how you prepare. And so um, the pandemic pushed fall ball, fall football to the spring. And regardless of whatever pushed it to the spring, playing it in the spring, a six game season with potential playoffs just seemed too taxing moving right into fall of 2021. Now, certainly our, playing in front of full crowds is everyone. Everyone wants to do that. I, I don't think Coach Alk wants to run out of that tunnel with nobody in, out there. Um, and certainly the e economics, um, for us plays a factor as well, but this decision was more focused on the safety of a football program competing that much and preparing by February 27th. Had there been any actual games set up and would it simply be back and forth with the Bobcats or are there other teams that uh, want to take part in this? Uh, you can take that one first. All right. Um, we're in process. Yeah, we, we still need to figure out. I, I don't foresee us playing any other Big Sky Conference schools. I don't see that happening. 
um, where our focus is trying to find some opponents that we can bring into Missoula. Um, and those will most likely be non-Division One opponents, but we've got to work that through. But I don't foresee us playing any Big Sky, Big Sky Conference schools. The Big Sky Conference encompasses so many states with so many different uh, COVID uh, protocols. Um, it, I, I, it would be difficult even in the coming fall to, to envision us having a regular sort of schedule. Uh, have you had a chance to look that far forward yet? Well, I think this decision does look forward into fall of 2021. Um, I'm, I'm personally optimistic that fall of 2021 will look very much like fall of 2019 looked um, with vaccines moving out and, and folks saying that there looks like we'll be, we'll be more back to normal. So I actually think this decision looks towards fall of 2021 and, and plays into why we made that decision. So there you go. University of Montana Athletic Director Kent Haslam. It is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide, SWX Montana Television. Montana, Montana State, not participating in the spring championship portion of the spring football season, but there will be some games on the docket. Here's what Leon Costello, Montana State Athletic Director, had to say about the decision. Obviously, uh, the news today, it's it's disappointing, but it, it, it is the right decision. And uh, I think if you look at the the last four or five years here at Montana State, uh, we've made very sound decisions based on the health and well-being of our student athletes. And when when you looked at the schedule and how it matched up timeline-wise with the uh, the climate that we are going to be in, the safety of our student athletes came to the forefront and was the ultimate reason why we made this decision. Obviously, there are a lot of other factors that come into it, but when you look at uh, those 105 to 106 young men and you want them to go into, into the elements like we were going to ask them to do. It's just, in our opinion, it's just, in my opinion, it's just not right. Um, we want to provide them with the best opportunity to develop as young men, to develop as students, and to develop as athletes. And asking them to do that uh, just wasn't in, in their best interest and is not in our best interest. And so um, in consultation, obviously, with the University of Montana, and given our locale, we just felt it was uh, – the best decision for for all involved, given the timeline uh, that we were given from the Big Sky Conference schedule. And so uh, at the end of the day, our student athletes are our number one asset, and we're going to take care of our student athletes um, to the utmost of our responsibilities. Hi, hey, Leon. Um, from, a, from a revenue perspective, revenue generation perspective, uh, obviously no fans is something that would be a challenge in the first place. But I mean, how much did that impact just not being able to actually garner much, if any, revenue uh, if a spring season was to take place? Yeah, I think those conversations were had. But I, we really did, you know, once we knew that it wasn't going to be safe for the student-athletes, we could just stop all conversations because that's, like, I go back to it, that's first and foremost. Um, then if it was going to be safe, then we had to take maybe some of those other considerations in, into, into play. But we really didn't have to because – um, we knew that we've been through enough springs here. I think everybody knows um, the way Coach Choate feels about spring. We know what our weather conditions are here. We know what the field is going to be like. And so once you just have those conversations, I mean, the, the decisions become pretty clear. Um, but, you know, we, we did our due diligence. Um, we talked a lot about it and uh, just arrived at a spot to where it just simply wasn't safe. Having two seasons in a single year was going to be a tenuous one no matter what, particularly player safety, but also just uh, the, the integrity of the season. I mean, you feel like now that you actually have a common goal to shoot for uh, a start date next fall, it kind of just gets you back on track of being kind of more normal? You know, I think uh, what when we talked and when Coach Chode and I talked about this, it was having more control over your schedule to guarantee the student-athletes that we know that we can pull this off. The, the, the worst thing that we could do is have a schedule, start and stop, and pull games out from under them. Um, you know, we talked a lot about the mental health aspect of our student-athletes during this time. Um, and for us to be able to try and give them a schedule that we can uh, better control uh, and more guarantee will be better for them in the long run. When you look at their academic uh, coursework that they're doing here, but also to develop a, as athletes as well, all those things play a part in their in their day, and if we can make their day more normal, 
and not make changes for them, then they're going to develop develop better. And so uh, we feel really good about that in that by, by moving this back, getting better conditions, we're going to be able to pro provide a better environment for them to, uh, to be able to develop. Last one for me, we just talked to, or at least some of us just talked to Ken Haslam as well, and he said he didn't anticipate playing any games against conference opponents. In terms of the, the games that could be played this spring, any idea in terms of just the specifics of who those might be, when they might be, or is that just kind of a moving target? It's definitely a moving target, but we're keeping all options open. Um, you know, we definitely want to give our student athletes some live competition. We definitely think we need that because of the kind of the time frame and the break that there has been from that. They, their bodies are going to need that as we move into a fall season. Um, but our options are we're going to remain open and see kind of um, who's available and when they're available. So there you go, Leon Costello, Montana Athletic Director. From earlier today is Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. Montana, Montana State not playing in the championship portion of the spring football season, but they will maybe play some games. You just heard Leon Costello say there, they're keeping some options open. Ken Haslam said they're not anticipating playing any Division One opponents, particularly not, no Big Sky Conference teams. Remains a moving target. I think we're going to probably have two, three football games for each the Bobcats and the Grizzlies this Spring, I think that they'll likely be, be against non-Division One, maybe Frontier Conference-level opponents or maybe Missouri Valley teams. We'll see. I don't think that there's, there's going to be a cacker, as I've gotten that question quite a bit already. Moving on, we got to keep rolling. Jeff Choate on the cancellation of the spring season and what he thinks it means for his football team, the Montana State Bobcats, the, uh, probably going to be a top-four preseason team in the FCS poll. I think it's been said uh, this, this decision did not come about overnight. This has been something that we've had a lot of discussion about because it's been an ongoing topic. And I think that, that uh, you know, when you couple our concerns about being able to prepare a team to go compete at the end of February, when we know that we're going to have to start basically in two weeks of practicing and that the worst of the winter conditions are in front of us, that uh, it was going to be difficult at best. And, uh, and, and even potentially impossible to prepare a team to go play the six-game conference slate. Um, this has been a moving target. We had this discussion back in October with the, with the league, and at the time the discussion was centered around do we try to play six games or eight games, and we didn't really have a time frame for this. And so when you couple the concerns that we have that are, I think, unique to Montana and Montana State with our geography, our climate, and our um, and neither team having an indoor with – the concerns about a turnaround and how that would impact the health and safety of our student athletes for the fall of 21. This, that's where this thing landed. And I can say this, I'm not sure that coach how can I agree on a lot, but we agreed on this and uh, we agreed that this was the right, that this was the right move for, for both of our programs and our student athletes. We're keeping them at the forefront. And I think that, uh, you know, I would say this, we consulted extensively, extensively with medical people. And, and we even followed the NCAA guidelines. And there's a, there's a clause in the NCAA guidelines for participation in practice that states that they do not recommend in any situation, athletes be required to practice or participate in temperatures below 15 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, I can promise you, I was gonna have to ask our student athletes to do that. And when you couple that with the concerns about, um, about, about safe and secure playing surfaces. I can plow the snow off the turf, but that doesn't guarantee that it's not an ice skating rink. And we've been out there in those conditions before, and we've had to pull our guys off the field because that's something that we're not going to do is put them in harm's way. And we were going to have to do that repeatedly. Um, and, and, then, and then you back that up with some of the other things that we're talking about with uh, the, the COVID issue still being very much at the forefront, some of the challenges that we're facing with basketball. There's a, this wasn't this was not a decision that we went into lightly, uh, but we feel very strongly that it was the right decision for our program and for our young men. Uh, Coach, obviously, um, you know, kind of a, a disappointing day for a lot of fans out there. Um, what, obviously, we know the reasons why um, and things like that, but what, what would your message be to some of the fans that were looking forward to watching Montana State football this spring? Yeah, I think we're still going to have some Montana State football this spring. I think it's just not going to be a six or eight game schedule. And um, that was, you know, part of the part of this looking at this big picture of not just what we want to do right now, but really what's in the best interest of our student athletes and our program in the future as well. And that was the biggest part of this. I mean, I think there's there's a high level of uncertainty. Keep this in mind, Sean. Okay, there's no promise the FCS is actually going to host a championship this spring. 
Okay. There's a high level of uncertainty about that alone. And so when you start to, to kind of stack these things, when you start with player safety, health and well-being, and then you start stacking the other reasons why this is going to be difficult and challenging on top of that, um, I think that the tipping point for me was these kids have been through enough. And if I can control what this schedule is going to look like, or we can control it to a certain degree with a pretty high level of certainty, then that's in our best interest. And so we're working towards having the ability to, to get a couple ball games out there. Um, certainly we'll have some level of spring football at the very least and, uh, and then push forward to the, to the, to the fall of 21. How can, um, you know, obviously in spring ball, you're in a normal spring season, you're just scrimmaging, you know, your own team and things like that. How can maybe playing a different opponent in the spring be advantageous or, and help your program as you move into the fall? Yeah, I think there's a variety of reasons. Number one, um, you know, you can create that game setting and there's going to be some anxiety that goes along with that. And then you can observe and, and evaluate how, how young men kind of perform in that setting. As coaches, we get the opportunity to go through a game plan. And I think that's beneficial, for, especially for our young players. And I think that, uh, you know, once you turn the scoreboard on, things change. And you get to see who the competitors are. You get to see who the playmakers are. And especially with the, our young group, uh, we are kind of a veteran roster right now. And I think that played into this decision too. You know, Leon referenced their desire to, to have an experience that has kind of been denied to them and not just football. I mean, this has been the case with most sports uh, over the course of the last year. And, and I think that was really a big point for our, our older guys were like, you know, if we can just get to a point where we can maybe have some normalcy and, you know, how about senior day with your parents not there? Is that a great idea? Probably not. You know, and, and so some of these things that maybe we can control a little bit more with a vaccine now present and uh, some hopefully better days on the horizon, um, that was another part of this equation. And so I think that uh, I think we can get a lot accomplished. Like I said, the game plan aspect of it, the, 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 the game type of uh, setting, and I think we can still uh, achieve some progress in that regard. You are currently listening to Nuanez Now, an interview with Jeff Choate, Montana State head football coach, about the cancellation, or the modification rather, of the spring football season for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. Uh, does this help you kind of return to a more normal uh, schedule? I know you have a couple of games that could be on the docket for the spring, but it seems like now it's more back to the status quo in terms of now just loading up and trying to prepare for that fall season. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely some work that we have to do. And that's why it was important for us to get this decision made quickly uh, once we got into January because we need – this affects – there's a, do, a bunch of dominoes that fall, right? Um, how we're going to approach our off-season strength and conditioning program. Uh, how we're going to look at our spring ball. How and, and some of that depends on how many opportunities we're going to be able to get some games on the schedule. But I think that is important. And the one thing that was – so clear through the fall with our players was how frustrated they were with the constant kind of roller coaster that they were on going all the way back to March. Are they going to, you know, and then that started this fall with, are we in-person classes? Are we not in-person classes? We started training camp in August because we had a schedule and then we, you know, ended up, we went through four or five practices and then the big sky canceled. And, and then we thought there might still, still be some opportunities for us to compete. And then the presidents voted that, you know, in fairness, if one team wasn't going to play, then nobody was going to play. And so that put another kind of wrench in this. And so it was like, do we play? Do we not play? Are we going to get into the weight room? Are we going to, you know, get into a, to a football mode? And so one of the most important things for us right now is to, is to kind of establish a, a very consistent schedule for these guys. And this will definitely help with that. We've already seen now several teams opt out. I know you said, I mean, you, you totally acknowledge all the concerns that are exist in the world, but what do you think just broadly of the integrity of, a spring season, if it does happen, it seems to me that the, the fall is going to be the real season, the real chase for the next national championship. I think everybody looks at it differently. I think, uh, you know, if you were to ask me, and maybe some of you have, and I've probably been candid with you, if, if you ask me flat out, Jeff, do you think we're going to play in the spring or what do you think of this spring season? I, I think my standard answer was, I'll believe it when I see it. I still wasn't, I mean, we had just said that we were going to do X, but I mean, with what was going on in the world, I just didn't see the reality of that. And then you look out the window some days and you're like, holy cow, I'm glad we run the ball a bunch because if we'd had to play two days ago in that 75 mile an hour win, I guarantee you we would have won. Um, so nobody else, you know, I don't know who else is going to be able to handle that. So uh, you got to be built for the wind conditions in Bozeman occasionally. But I think that's that's an important part of this is is making sure that we can have our best situation for us down the road and provide that really quality player experience that our kids have come to expect at Montana State. And last, last question for me from a from a 
practice time allotment perspective now? I know that there's less time allowed with the players during certain times. Does this now, the fact that you have a couple of games potentially, does that give you more time with the guys uh, moving forward here these next couple of months? Yeah, I think once we establish kind of what we, if we, even if we just say, hey, we're intending to play on a certain date, um, the way it's set up right now, there's a two-week ramp-up period where you can start doing walkthroughs with a ball, uh, not just do weight training and conditioning. Um, and that would be, uh, and then you have your, whatever your first day of competition is that you state, you get 29 practice opportunities prior to that. So you're going to get, instead of getting your standard 15 practices that you would get in the spring, now you get your 29 practice opportunities, your two week ramp up, and then your practice that would be going on while you're getting prepared for, uh, for competition. And, and even if hopefully there's more than one opportunity, so that can continue. So yes, you're going to, I think it's going to be, allow us to get a little bit more work done than we would in a normal spring. That being said, let me preface this whole thing by saying two springs ago, Coulter, we had uh, eight whopping eight practices because of weather conditions. Okay. Right. So I'm a, I'm a realist here too. And, and, and I stated that early on in this process, when they came out with the schedule, I'm like, how are we going to get this done? You know? And, uh, and I mean, if I had eight practices and UC Davis had those 29 practice opportunities, tell me that's a, a good situation for me to put our kids in. And I wasn't willing to do that. It's not a good situation. It's never been a good situation. The thing, way I've been looking at this is that I never thought this was going to happen, and I'm glad that they finally pulled the trigger on making a decision so now everybody can adjust their focus toward just gearing up for next fall because that's going to be the most legitimate season. I mean, right now you're talking Sac State's out, Montana's out, Montana State's out. Those are two. Those are three teams that were going to be ranked in the top 10 or maybe 12 of the preseason FCS poll. That's the defending Big Sky champions in Sacramento State, not playing. That's two teams that got top six seeds in the playoffs last year in Montana, Montana State, not playing. So uh, I, I don't really know what the integrity or legitimacy of this season is when you don't have a lot of the best teams playing. If North Dakota State wins another national championship, are we counting that as another North Dakota State national championship? If they don't win, are we counting it as a, a, a ding on what has been an epic rain for NDSU? I don't know. It is Nuanas now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Stay wide, SWX Montana Television. I am Coulter Nuanez. One last piece of sound on this spring football movement. Then we got to get out because we have a whole bunch of other stuff coming up for you in the show. Mike Dugar from The Athletic is going to join me to recap and put a bow on the Seattle Seahawks season. We also have Carol, the chick who doesn't know sports, coming up at the end of the first hour. And the second hour, a couple great guests. Parker Gabriel, the Nebraska beat writer for the Lincoln Star Journal, he, uh, he's going to give us some thoughts on former Montana wide receiver Samari Torre transferring to Nebraska. And then guess what? A special appearance from one Gus Tutel. He's going to break down some NFL stuff with us. But here's Bobby Houck. Last couple thoughts on the modification of the spring football season for Montana, Montana State. Uh, morale's good, first of all. But the last month and a half, we've been on break. So there hasn't been anything to do. Uh, but we want to compete this spring. We just don't believe playing a complete conference schedules in the best interests of our team. Preparing to win a championship in February with no indoor facility would be difficult at best, if not impossible. So uh, we think a modified schedule this spring where we play a few uh, will allow our players to compete, which is what they want. And we'll focus on the fall of 2021 moving forward after, after this spring session. Does this kind of get you back into a normal operating mode in terms of what you would normally be like at this time of year? I mean, are you, are you guys going to kind of treat this like spring ball? Yes, certainly. I feel great about that. We have a plan. We have direction. So let's go. Coach, with having the, the chance to, in the spring, kind of play your, I don't know, spring scrimmages or whatever against another opponent, is that something that's intriguing to you um, as opposed to just going against your, your own team? Do, do we like the, the that option? Yeah, if, if we play against somebody else, it's not a scrimmage, first of all, Sean. It's a game. If they're keeping score, it's a game. Uh, and we'll look to play some games, yes. So am I fired up about that? Yeah, but it, what matters is, is the guys wearing the helmets are going to be fired up about that. Hey, Bobby, I wanted, wanted to also ask, what is the, the team doing now and what's, what's the plan for the rest of this semester from whether conditioning or when fall camp or spring camp might start or what what's the plan for the next few weeks, few months here? Yeah, Frank, it's a good question. It'll be a pretty normal year. We're we're uh, 
mostly in strength training right now. We'll get into a strength conditioning combo here in, in a few weeks, and then we'll get into a spring practice session. We haven't played a game in a year. We need Our guys want to compete. Um, we need to go compete. We need to play a little bit. So um, this, this modified schedule allows our players to compete while keeping the focus on fall 2021. One part that did not make it in there, Bobby Houck, uh, uh, when asked what, what uh, the player's reaction was, he said they're fine, and there's a follow-up of just fine, good, bad, and he said they didn't start crying and they didn't throw a party. They're fine. So <laughs> status quo from Coach Houck, uh, but we'll continue to break this down and analyze it, but we got to get out because we got a busy show for you today. Up next, Mike Dugar. He's the beat writer for the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic. We're going to put a bow on the Seattle Seahawks season. They lost in the playoffs 30-20 to last week to the Los Angeles Rams. Nuanez now. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Mike Dugar, back after this. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Special January promo going on by the Wingate by Wyndham right now as well. If you stay two nights in January of 2021, you get a free growler and a fill card for Big Sky Brewing. Big Sky Brewing just right across the way from the Wingate. So if you book, all you got to do is book through the hotel directly. Google Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula, limited to one free beaker per customer, but stay two nights, January 2021, free growler and fill card from Big Sky Brewing, and tell them Nuanas Now sent you. No trophy to be sure if you missed anything from the first segment. No spring football in Montana, but that's not completely true. They will have some spring practices, and uh, they could have some competitions as well. But the spring championship season is off. Big Montana State, Montana will not win a Big Sky Conference championship because they will not participate. They will not win an FCS championship because they will not participate. Instead, they're going to maybe play a couple scrimmage-type games or exhibitions, non-conference, whatever you want to call them, but it's not going to count towards the playoffs. And so basically now, here we are in Montana, a long winter gearing up for next fall. It is Nuanez now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana Television. We go now to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line and welcome in our good buddy, Mike Dugar from The Athletic. Mike covers the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic. Go get yourself a subscription to The Athletic. Theathletic.com is very easy, very good. I bought my brother one for Christmas. He's already loving it. And I've had one for quite some time now as well. It's great stuff. No matter what teams you follow, The Athletic's got you covered. Mike, how you doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Thanks for always taking so much time this season. We love having you. I know our listeners love having you, too. We are the official affiliates for the Seattle Seahawks throughout all of Western Montana right here on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. And, Mike, let's just start broadly. Uh, it's just such an interesting and, uh, at the same time, climactic and anticlimactic ending to the Seahawks season. I know when Tutel was still on the show, uh, he was kind of more lobbying for the Seahawks as a potential Super Bowl contender. You and I were both a little bit more tenuous. Uh, they ended up figuring out a way to go 12-4 and four and win the NFC West, but then uh, the team that seems to have haunted them the last couple of years, the Los Angeles Rams, knock them out of the playoffs last week with a 30-20 to 20 victory in Seattle. Just broadly, your overall take on the game and the way things ended for Seattle this year. Yeah, it was some of it was very predictable in that they couldn't score any points, um, and you figured that eventually their defense wouldn't be able to be great for that long, though, 
I mean, some of that is due to the offense and its mistakes, too. I think ultimately the defense gave up, what, 23 points? Like, you give up 23 points in a playoff game, you should win. And then, like, those final seven um, that they gave up, really just a product of the game kind of being out of hand and the defense trying to make a play, biting hard on some on some play action because they were so desperate because they got offense stunk. Um, I mean, you could kind of see that brewing a little bit just because the Seahawks never seemed to be on the same page. I never really thought in the, in the final month of the season that some combination of Brian Schottenheimer, who's now gone, Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson were all in those rooms on offense clicking. It just didn't seem like that. The product didn't um, it didn't re- reflect that. Even after the games when they won, I think they won like six of the last seven. I watched six of those last seven wins, and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, you sure you guys know who you want to be? Because um, it doesn't seem like that. And then what do you know? Shoddy ends up bouncing because of philosophical differences with Pete, which might be the most predictable um, outcome of the entire season is Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll ultimately not being on the same accord. You said it right here on this show last week, 12 for the 12s, presented by Adobe's Teriyaki right here in Missoula. Mike Dugar joining us on the Rangers Brothers RV Fold Line. You, you said it right here, Mike, on this show. You said, I don't think these guys are on the same page offensively. They were letting Russ cook, so to speak, in the early part of the year, and then the offense just completely and utterly regressed to the point of nearly disappearing down the stretch. And so you were not surprised, obviously, by Brian Schottenheimer moving on, but where does Seattle turn from here? I mean, what what, what all goes into uh, the replacement of an offensive coordinator in the offseason? And uh, do you feel like this is an opportunity now for maybe Seattle to make a hire that does get them back? on the same page and get some more continuity offensively? So two things. I was surprised by Brian Schottenheimer's, um, I guess, Brian Schottenheimer being fed up, you know, with what's going on. Because if you remember in 2018, after they lost the first two games, he was like, hey, man, Brian, I need you to run this thing. And Brian was like, sure. And they became the most run-heavy team in the league. And it sounds like they had a similar conversation, like, hey, in 2021, I need you to run the thing. We tried what you guys wanted. I, it didn't work. We're done with that. And Brian was like, all right, if that's the case, then I'm out. And I'm not just going to keep living in the past while we have this particular roster. Right? Because Brian Schottenheimer is not opposed to running the ball. It's all about the roster you have it with. Right? Like, no one's mad at the Ravens for running. Even the nerdiest of nerds can understand why the Ravens built a run-centric offense. Right? And everyone can understand why the Chiefs did not. Right? It's all about the personnel you have. So, Brian being fed up after only three seasons was actually pretty surprising. Um, now, as far as who comes next, I don't I don't even necessarily think it matters. I wrote this on The Athletic, too. If Pete's just going to keep uh, dismissing dudes who put the ball in Russ's hands at a high rate, which I'm sure Russ is in favor of, as he very much hinted at on Thursday, then it doesn't really matter because that dude is just going to walk into the, the new dude. I mean, it's going to walk into the middle of this, like, toxic relationship between the head coach and the quarterback who, uh, who he has to communicate with pretty much every day, right, and spend a bunch of time with. And if that's the case, they might as well just either make PTOC or make Rusty OC. Right? Don't bring a third party in here to basically be like an independent arbiter for your guys' beef. Because I really don't think that Russ and Pete are on the same page either. The only commonality they have is they want to win. Right? Pete named his book in 2010, Win Forever. Russ named his firstborn son, Win. Like that part, they are on the same page, clearly. But they don't really have a vision of how to get there. Right? Pete has his way that worked in 2013. Russ has the way he wants to try um, that Pete really only gave an eight-game, you know, experiment to, and now they're kind of in limbo, right? So I don't even know where they go from here because first Pete and Russ need to be on the same wavelength. If not, history is just going to keep repeating itself. You mentioned uh, potentially, I mean, these things can get toxic when people aren't on the same page. Russell Wilson signed uh, the huge contract, uh, I believe $140 million dollars, back in April of 2019, so he's right in the heart of that contract. So is there a point you could see Russell Wilson wanting to, to force his way out of Seattle? Or I guess how, is, the, is that the key element of this upcoming hire or lack thereof if he's just trying to keep Russell Wilson happy? That's the thing. I don't know how much Pete values that. right? I really, I mean, it sounds crazy. I mean, I'm sure Pete wants Russ happy, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like, if he wanted him happy, he would have kept Brian Schottenheimer. Because clearly Russ didn't want Shotty to go. I knew that before Russ, you know, came out and said it in the last question of his hour-long press conference on Thursday. Like he didn't want him to go. So if keeping Russ happy was the priority, then I don't think he would have uh, 
had those philosophical differences with Brian Schottenheimer, right? Because if you think about it, it honestly doesn't make that much sense. Because Pete has this run-first philosophy, right? It's worked in 2013, 2014, and they got to the Super Bowl. Cool, right? Failed in 2015, failed in 2016. I'll scratch 2017 just because they couldn't run the ball at all. It failed in 2018, failed in 2019, right? That's five seasons of you trying your philosophy and it not getting you where you want to be. Why then only give the new philosophy eight games, right? I mean, maybe a whole year, but ultimately eight games before you tighten the screws a little bit. So I don't understand how that comes to, all right, cool, we're done with what you guys try. We give it a year. Like, do you be giving your failed philosophy five years, uh, right? So like, that's where I really think this is going to get bad if they if they do what Pete wants and they stop winning. Because like I said, their own common denominator there, the same core value is win. Russ really doesn't care how they get it done. He just wants to get it done. And I'm sure he's counting up the years of failure doing it Pete's way just like I just did. And it's like, Pete, I, we tried your way. We got there once. We had an all-world defense and a generational talent at running back. We have neither <laughs> right now. We have me and 2,000-yard receivers. Let's throw it. Um, so I think this is really a, a make-or-break offseason for the franchise. Because, yeah, if, if Pete makes another choice that favors him, right? he, has, he hires Anthony Lynn or somebody to run the ball into the ground, and then they go 10-6 and six or 11-5 and five and are right back here in the wild, or losing in the wild card round, at what point does Russ just go, man, screw this? Right? I'm too great, and I have too, much, I have too lofty of goals to be out here losing on the first weekend of the playoffs. Here's my no trade clause. I'm waving it. Get me out of here. Someone who maximize my skill set. I could see that happening if we're just right back here 12 months from now, uh, talking about the Seahawks ultimately falling short in the playoffs. So then, is that the breaking point? Is just the falling short, or I mean, would it take a 500 or below record? I mean, what is the breaking point? You know, that's a good question, and I think it ultimately comes down to Russell. But he made this clear on Thursday too. He said, "I don't do this to win the NFC West. I don't do this to make the Pro Bowl." He laid out his goals pretty clearly. He said, I want to win multiple Super Bowls. I want to break the record for most touchdown passes thrown. And he mentioned Tom Brady, who I think has, who I know has a Super Bowl record. I, I don't, I think touchdown passes might be Drew Brees. But either way, um, he wants those goals. He wants to be known as the best quarterback of all time. And so he's trusting Pete right now to be like, all right, cool. Like, I'll do it your way if it can get me where I want to go. Right? So Russ went to the Super Bowl two times in his first three seasons. He had no real reason. Uh, to be skeptical of Pete's way, but he's clearly evolved. And so I think it's a matter of just falling short. That really is just not of the goal. Russ Manchester's goal is Super Bowls. He's tired of watching the Super Bowl from his couch, right? Like, even if it's a very nice couch that he's watching it from, he would rather not be on his couch. So I think any season where they don't even sniff, the Super Bowl, like if they lose by a field goal or something, NFC title game, like I don't think Russ would be that upset, right? But, like, yeah, if they get their butt whooped at home in the wild card round or go to Dallas and lose in wild card round or any of these scenarios or, you know, end up down 18 points in the divisional round of the playoffs like they were last year, any of those scenarios, they don't even sniff Russ's goal, then, yeah, he's going to just grow more and more frustrated, especially if it's important if they're not doing it the way he likes. If they flame out throwing the rock, then he really needs to point the finger at himself for the most part. They flame out, run it into the ground, hoping an elite defense that they don't have saves them. That's when it's going to get really ugly. He is Mike Dugar from the Athletics, the LC Hawks beat writer. And Mike, you mentioned Anthony Lynn maybe be in the mix uh, as the OC, an OC candidate, but that's here nor there. Last question for you. What is the most crucial thing the Seattle Seahawks can do this offseason? Is it a move? Is it a, a a culture adjustment? What is the most essential thing for Seattle to maybe get back into that upper echelon of being a true Super Bowl contender? They have to. They have to maintain the pass-first mentality as long as the roster looks like this. Because that's the other thing that it, that uh, establishing your mentality now does. It shapes, you know, it shapes what you're looking for when you go to the Senior Bowl. It shapes what you're looking for when you're looking at all the film of college prospects. It shapes who you talk to at the combine. Right? It shapes all of that. If they just double down on the run thing, they're probably going to be looking at a bunch of guards, left guards and right guards in the first couple uh, rounds of the draft. They're probably going to take a running back again. What did he do after he filed a bevel in 2017? Drafted Penny in the first round. It was all these overreactions um, to you know not being able to run the ball. So if they're going to do that again, then they're going to – try to construct a roster that fits that when they don't have the defense to do it, 
nor do they really have the running back, so I know they could probably find one in the draft. For example, if they wanted to run the Rock and drafted Najee Harris from Bama, it's like, oh, okay, cool, I see where you're going with that, right? Like, if their first two picks were left guard and Najee Harris, I'd be like, oh, well, you're trying. Okay, I see it. But if you want to go all in on this passing thing, well, then you prioritize guard, or guards and tackles that can pass pro over run block. Like, last year, they wanted to be a pass-first offense, and then took Damian Harris, who's, or Damian Lewis, excuse me, who's a great run blocker and a bad pass blocker, right? Didn't make any sense. And then that you have to shape how your receivers are going to be. And there's so much stuff you got to do if, based on what your philosophy is. So I think they need to, A, decide, because um, I think they're undecided right now, and then make sure all of the actions match accordingly. I think it would be to, you should lean towards pleasing the quarterbacks. So you don't end up in, like, this toxic type of situation. Um, that's what I would do because ultimately your franchise quarterback is going to get you, you know, back to the Super Bowl. It's going to help you win forever. You're not going to win forever grounded and pounded it because, again, that's reliant on an elite defense, and defense is very, very unsustainable year to year. You know what is sustainable? Passing efficiency. What's that tied to? Having a great quarterback. So you, should, you should keep that guy happy as best you can. Otherwise, he'll probably just bounce. He is Mike Dugar, best in the business. Go read his stuff at The Athletic. Subscribe. You'll love it, I promise. Whether you like the Seahawks, hate the Seahawks, whatever. They got every team covered. It's not just the Seahawks, but Mike does a great job with the Seattle Seahawks beat. He also does an awesome job on this show. Mike, it's been a true pleasure having you all season long. Thanks for taking so much time out of your schedule. I always love talking to my man, and uh, we'll circle back around with you. Maybe NFL draft time, we'll see, but I'll be in touch. Thanks so much for taking the time to... uh, Keep all of us around the great state of Montana informed. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate you for having me all year. Thanks, man. Take care. Mike Dugar on Nuanez Now. I got so excited by the news earlier today. I shouldn't say excited, but I was just uh, kind of working so hard because it's, it's so hard to get all these Zoom calls all edited up and put, get on the show and whatever. I'm not making excuses. It's fun. It's what I live for. It's why I got into journalism. But I already slammed my Florence Coffee for the today. You already know, though, it's a Friday. It's Florence Coffee Company. We have our Florence Coffee Company break every single Friday. I don't have mine because I already drank mine. I went and got it earlier today about 2 o'clock, and I already, I already slurped that thing right down. I had triple shot iced Americano, as always, put that thing straight in my veins, and it's got me all perked up. It's got me rolling for the rest of the evening. It is Friday. You can stay up late, so go get yourself a Florence Coffee, whether you like a drip coffee, iced Americano, Hot Americano, latte, whatever it might be. Florence Coffee, no matter where you're at in Missoula, there is a Florence Coffee company near you. We're late. Of course we are. Chick who doesn't know sports. That's another thing that always happens on Friday. Carolyn stops by right after this. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. King Gizzard, the Lizard Wizard. Gotta love it. Reese is killing it for you always. It is Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide, SWX Montana Television. If you want to listen live, if you're not on the radio, you're not on your TV, go to 1029ESPN.com. Just click on Listen Live. There you find the live stream. It's presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You know what time it is. It's Friday. That means Carolyn's here. It's Friday. You know what time that means. It's the Chick Who Doesn't Know Sports, presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro at the University of Montana Golf Course. Carolyn, hello. TGIF, baby. <laughs> People were very um, polarized about your Serena Williams takes uh, Oh, last really? Week. Yes. I got a lot of feedback saying, good for Carolyn for standing up for Serena. And I got some other takes saying, uh, she's a female athlete, so her weight is uh, part of the equation. 
Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, those people are wrong. <laughs> and Here's the thing, though. I don't think Serena Williams cares how much she weighs. In fact, I bet you she's exactly very proud about how much she weighs, no matter how much she weighs. I agree, but the comment was made to sound like she's fat. And so that's, I mean, you know, you should never go by a number on a scale. We all know that. But I think that particular comment was made to sound like she's too heavy to be playing tennis. Here in, nor there. In a, in a fat, un, like in an out of shape way. Sure. Okay. okay. All right. So. What do you got this week, Carolyn? Oh, man. I have a lot of hot takes. So <laughs> buckle up. Dan Lovatar show is not on the air anymore, so you get all your hot takes on ESPN right here on 1029 ESPN Missoula. James Harden got his wish. He did. And he has been traded to the Brooklyn Nets. He has. But at what cost? At what cost is right. There's a lot that goes into this. I think that this is, uh, at the same time, hilarious and disastrous. But either way, I got a front row seat to uh, to watch the drama that's about to happen in Brooklyn. So, Lavert is going to Indiana. Victor Oladipo. Oladipo. Oladipo is going to Houston. <laughs> Cavs yeah, are getting yeah. two players and then sending a player to the Rockets. Right. So he has uprooted one, two, three, four, five people just so he can go play for Brooklyn. (laughs) And I am just saying it here and I'm saying it now. He's an ass. Well, first of all, this is a business. These guys are expected to be treated like commodities because at the end of the day, unfortunately, that's what the ownership thinks of them as is commodities. Um. Here's the thing. One of the worst places you can be in in the NBA is having a... In the NBA, the players have all the power. And so, therefore, if you have James Harden and you're paying him $40-plus million a year for him to not obey any of the rules, to go out all the time, to frequent every strip club from coast to coast, to uh, not be in shape, to not try, and to ruin the chemistry of your locker room, it's absolutely way better to trade him because all he's going to do is have your franchise held hostage. Houston has to tear it all down because Daryl Morey, their their general manager, he's already out. Mike D'Antoni, their coach, he's already out. They already got rid of Russell Westbrook. They already got rid of Chris Paul. So now they have to figure out how to way to just rebuild the whole thing. But uh, I don't know. I think that uh, I think you'd be surprised. I think a lot of those guys maybe aren't that upset about their being quote unquote uprooted. Well, I think it's rude. <laughs> also, I think um, you're setting a really bad example for humankind that you can just throw a big baby meltdown and not do your job and not, you know, see through your contract or whatever you have signed with this other business, your team. Sure. I just think it's, I just, you're, he's dead to me. So what you're saying basically broadly is that you hate pro sports. No, I just hate James <laughs> Harden. But this is how all these guys operate. The, uh, the, for, there's only a few Aaron Rodgers and Kobe Bryant, so are going to stay where they're at their entire career. I'm not saying you don't. You, I'm not saying you don't have to switch teams. I'm saying how he, what he did to get that to right. happen. Like I just heard he was wearing a fat suit. <laughs> so, so there is. What, okay, so so rather than than me make fun of you for not liking the the state of affairs in pro sports, what the, the state of affairs is what it is. It's never going back to normal. The players are commodities, but they also have complete control. So it's this giant dichotomy between ownership and uh, player movement. And I, I think to to romanticize and wish for the days of yesterday, where uh, you know Larry Bird plays for the Celtics for his whole career, Michael Jordan plays for the Bulls his whole career. Although Michael Jordan didn't play for the Bulls his right. whole career, but either way. That kind of stuff is hardly ever going to happen unless the player lands in the perfect spot initially. Like Kobe Bryant wouldn't have stayed at the Lakers the whole time unless he was with the freaking Lakers. But he's with right. the Lakers, so they're always <laughs> winning. But but to get to your point though, James Harden is, um, he's ridiculous. I I despise James Harden. I hate watching him play basketball. I hate uh, the way he operates. Uh, I hate his. Uh, I don't have to follow any of the rules unless I make the rules. Attitude. Um, I think that the way he's been conducting himself, I mean, he basically run amok so hard before the season started that he had to pass six coronavirus tests before they would let him come practice because he was just yeah completely throwing caution in the wind and saying, screw your rules. I'm doing whatever I want. It's my life. And uh, 
Man, I, I it's just he's never been a good teammate. He's uh, it, 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 he has been a quite the prima donna. And I mean, here's the thing though: James Harden is going to get his because James Harden is going to finish his career whenever that may happen. Is one of the greatest scorers that's ever played in the NBA, and it's going to have meant nothing. It's going to have meant nothing. He's never going to win at, mm-hmm. at the highest level. He'll win a little bit. Yeah. He's, he's always going to get to the playoffs, but he's never going to win at the highest level. You know what I hope happens? What's I hope that? someone yanks on his stupid beard while they're playing, <laughs> and he falls on his face. The, the fat suit stuff, though, this is funny, and this is way too much. There's been some memes and some gifts that have been circulating around the internet of James Harden during warmups, and it makes him look just incredibly fat. Well, maybe he is fat because he was out partying and not working yeah. out. Well, so on ESPN Radio Thursday morning, the morning, the new morning show, Bart Scott, former New York Jets linebacker, was saying that uh, James Harden is going to be like the infamous fat villain on Austin Powers <laughs> when he just takes his fat suit off and all of a sudden he's in shape. He's like, watch this. James Harden's going to be in shape in two weeks because James Harden's not fat. James Harden's just faking being fat so he can get traded. If that's really true, that's pretty, pretty, um, that, that's new measures to get traded. Yeah, well, I'm faking being fat too, but, you know, I'm not going to get <laughs> traded. Anyway, all in all, James Harden is up there now with Tom Brady on my most hated list. Well, Tom Brady's way st- still makes my skin crawl. But Tom Brady, personality-wise, is very abrasive. Tom Brady as a professional is actually significantly more respectable right, than James right, Harden. Yeah, you're right. All right. I, I, no, you're, you are absolutely justified in not liking James Harden. And in fact, it makes me realize that you're not just the chick who doesn't know sports. You know some sports because James Harden is very hateable. He's a very yes. hateable person. Yeah, I hate him and his beard. Okay, moving on. It is on. Carolyn, the chick who doesn't know sports, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. Go ahead. All right. So the Lakers played Houston, and they had a 21-point lead. And Dennis Schroeder told LeBron from the sidelines, basically he bet him a hundred bucks to make the shot. LeBron James turns around and basically after, after shooting it, after shooting it, ball hasn't even gone in the hoop yet, and says bet. I'm sorry, is this the Harlem Globetrotters? <laughs> and then, what? And then the shot goes in, and the shot goes so in. So Dennis Schroeder owes, owes LeBron a Benjamin. I I'm so annoyed by this. <laughs> a it's bad sportsmanship. If you're leading that much, 21 points. You don't start showing off. Oh Second of all, I was waiting for the Harlem Globetrotters theme to play, and then they were gonna like, you know, bring out trampolines and do weird tricks. And no, who are they playing against? Houston. Okay. So Houston's already kind of uh, having a hard week, and then I don't LeBron. Feel bad for the Rockets. And then God. LeBron. I love LeBron, so I'm not super mad. I'm joking a little bit, but I just think that's bad sportsmanship. Also, isn't betting illegal? Like, what on your own, like, isn't that what they did kind of illegal? That's actually interesting. I think if you're betting it on a sports book, I think it's one thing. I think within the flow of the competition, it's a... It's a different thing, though. All I got to say is thank God the NBA is back because you were struggling to find some dramatic information each week, and now the NBA is back, and it's just drama because that's all it is. I know. It's the greatest soap opera ever created. It is. Yeah. It's like a soap opera for, for sports fans. It's it's wild. Yeah. I was going to say for men, but I think women love it, too, because it's so much drama. Yeah. Especially, especially because all these guys, like, they date all the starlets and everything, too. It's, it's just, just so ripe with, with so much gossip. I still think they should have done a reality show within the bubble, but whatever. Oh, man. No kidding. Well... Uh, I will say this. I'm I'm happy LeBron is playing because um, with the short turnaround, I mean, LeBron James takes care of his body probably better than any professional athlete in the world, certainly right now, but maybe ever, maybe in the history of pro sports. And there was a lot of talk that maybe he would sit out early in the season. I think he's probably going to wait to take his little sabbatical until a little closer to the All-Star break. But LeBron will take a little vacation because he's not going to be able to play the whole year stem to stern. But I think it's good he's playing right now especially because they have so many new faces. I don't know. I, I love Dennis Schroeder. I think that that's a fun story. I mean, it's a new teammate. LeBron's just showing him. Great. I just think it's rude. <laughs> so tell me what you think of this. I think that one of the things that we as an American society right now struggle with the most is gra- uh, aging gracefully. Yes, And obviously. I think I think that is uh, uh, accentuated in pro sports quite often. Um, we talked about this last week with Serena Williams. I yeah. mean, she can decide when to retire, but we just hope it's not, you know, she plays until she's 
a, a shell of herself and, and gets hurt and has to retire because of that. That would that would be terrible. It's it's better to retire gracefully. The one thing I give LeBron James so much credit for is how gracefully he has aged. How old is he? He's thirty six. Okay. And he's so it's not like he's ancient, but he has been in the league now for eighteen years. And to watch him go from the upstart kid who came in the league out of high school to the brash kid who became a villain, even though he didn't want to be, to now this like revered figure. He he is well aware. He has so much self awareness that he knows that he's like. I mean, he's quite honestly almost old enough to be Dennis Schroeder's dad. Yeah. And so he's like playing it up like, hey, you think I'm the old man? I can still do it. And I think that that's where his career is going to be expanded so long because he's going to get all these young guys to play with him. And they're going to just sit here and think, wow, this guy's been doing it for 18 years and he's still so good. And but also more importantly, having so much fun. I mean, I think he's adorable. And I think he's, he's got great... Um, community outreach he does he just does all the right things he's he's you know i have like my most hated he's probably one of my most see you do know sports you know the people that are good people i I know some people um okay so speaking of i'm sorry this is so nba heavy but it's not really but dennis rodman we need uh, it we haven't talked hardly any nba we were talking national championship football we were talking all sorts of stuff we'd hardly talk any nba this week this is great well dennis rodman oh your favorite his daughter was a second pick for National Women's Soccer League by the Washington Spirit. Oh wow! So she is. She's pretty athletic. Yeah, so she's like. That's cool. Awesome. She was supposed to go to Washington State, but COVID kind of messed things up, so she decided to go pro. Hmm. I hope you know me. I hope she goes back to get her degree because she could tear an ACL along the way. Tell me what the league's called again. It's the National Women's Soccer League. Because there's two pro leagues now, I think, for for women's soccer. Oh, I don't know. Uh, But but it's cool. And I think that this is – actually, I think this is going to be an opportunity, too, where um, you can – because of the way the season works, I think this is going to be a place where – People that are in college can also play professionally. They're not going to be able to play in college, mm. but like I think that this Under person, for example, she could she could go to school at least and play because of oh, the way that the right, seasons right, work. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, Avery Collins, who's a young lady from Bozeman, Montana, who played soccer at Stanford, she is in this league as well. And so oh, this cool. is this is this is cool. This is great. Yeah, this is. I thought it was great, and I'm sure Dennis is proud, and I hope he's not you know shoplifting to try and. <laughs> Pay for her college now. She's got her own job, so all is well. Um, and then lastly, Aaron Rodgers is going to host guest host Jeopardy. Wow. So Rogers. did you know that he won a celebrity episode in 2015? I did not. I do know that Aaron Rodgers is among the smartest athletes that's ever uh, played professional sports. Aaron Rodgers got a perfect score on his SATs. Really? He's an academic All-American at Cal. Aaron, that's why Aaron Rodgers acts so smug. That's why he acts like he's the smartest guy in the room. Because he, he is. Because <laughs> he actually is. All right. Well, I thought he was a dumb jock, so I'm pretty <laughs> excited. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because Aaron Rodgers knew he wanted to go to one of the... Uh, he wanted to go to Cal or Stanford because of the academics. Oh. And he didn't get offered by them from a football perspective, so he ironically went to a junior college and then played his way into getting a shot with Cal and wow. became a first-round pick, and now the rest is history. But... Well, he'll be hosting. I don't know when, but he will be hosting. I'm not surprised at all that Aaron Rodgers is fire at Jeopardy. Yeah. He'll be great on there, too, because he's so funny. I thought they maybe he won the celebrity episode where they, like, dumbed down the questions. but <laughs> Right. But maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, no, Aaron Rodgers is wicked smart. That'll be a funny episode, too, because he'll be able to... Um, his dry sense of humor will be funny when he makes fun of the people for getting the answers wrong. So, fun fact, my brother was on Jeopardy. Really? Yeah. How did he do? Not great, but <laughs> he he froze just because it was um, nerves. Mm. It was his he the question he lost was a Shakespeare question, which is crazy because he's my brother is a genius. Believe it or not, I am related to <laughs> genius people. But he he froze and he knew the answer, but he said the wrong one. And but it was a great experience because growing up we watched Jeopardy all the time, and he always got everything right. So. He's a smart dude, unlike me. <laughs> <laughs> you find it better than you think on Jeopardy. I'm the, I could do great on Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Ooh, do you remember that? The on History Netflix? of Rock and Roll. Yeah. It's one of the great classes at the University of Montana. Ooh. If you're an athlete undergrad, you should take that. It's, oh. They say it's easy. It's actually not that easy. You have to study that quite a like bit. That sounds like a really fun class. It's a great class. And yeah. if, if the same guy, his, the same professor, his name is slipping my mind right now, but if the same person that's always taught it is teaching it, he makes it a lot of fun. You should definitely take that class. I will even though I'm not a student. Maybe I'll audit it. Is that what you do when you just go and sit in a class? Audit? 
Yeah. yeah. Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know either. See? I'm not the smart one. I would love to start one. going to classes. Anyway, that's all I got this week. Carolyn, thank you. It is the chick who doesn't know sports. Presented by the Iron Grizz American Bistro. Holy cow, we're so late. We got to get out. Iron Grizz American Bistro, University of Montana Golf Course. Give us a call right now. We got a gift certificate for an Iron Grizz boil and two kettle house beers. 361-3688. Better hurry. First caller. That's all it takes. Iron Grizz American Bistro. Great Cajun food over there. Go check them out. University of Montana Golf Course. Parker Gabriel from the Lincoln Star Journal. Break it down. Samari Torres transferred to Nebraska right after this. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 